Have you ever wondered how successful architecture, engineering, and construction companies scale their business? Or have you ever wanted guidance on how to get more growth, wealth, and freedom from your AEC company? Well, then you're in luck. Hi, I'm Will Forat. And I'm Justin Nagel, and we're your podcast hosts. We interview successful AEC business leaders to learn how they use people, process, and technology to scale their businesses. So sit back and get ready to learn from the industry's best. This is Building Scale. Hey listeners, it's Will here. Our mission is to help the AEC industry protect itself by making technology easy. If you've ever listened to our show, then you know that the three pillars of scaling a business are people, process, and technology. So if you suspect technology is your weak link, then book a call with us to see where we can help maximize your company's IT and cybersecurity strategy. Just go to buildingscale.net slash help. Today's guest is Julie Savitt, owner of AMS Elite Solutions. Julie embodies the motto, from adversity to strength, showcasing her remarkable journey to succeed despite numerous challenges. She transformed a nearly bankrupt construction company into a leading diverse woman-owned firm in the national market. Julie holds prestigious certifications such as WBE, WOSB, and DBE, highlighting her company's status and her entrepreneurial prowess. As an influential figure in Illinois, Julie serves in several boards, including the Federation of Women Contractors and the Lake County Workforce Development Board. Her mentorship through SCORE reflects her dedication to fostering entrepreneurship and business acumen in others, including uh, some recognitions in major publications like Chicago Cranes Business, numerous safety and business excellence awards, uh, and a national exposure on NBC Nightly News. Julie's academic background in psychology with a business emphasis combined with her experience in various high-level roles forms the foundation of her business approach. AMS Elite Solutions began in humble beginnings with just two trucks and now specializes in dump and flatbed hauling. With all that said, Julie, welcome to the show. show. Ah, good morning. Thank you. Glad to be here. We're happy to have you. Uh, As I was going through your intro and bio, I was like, man, you've done so much. Like there's been, this is a lot of stuff. Uh, Also the conversations we had, uh, some of the the strain that's been put, but you just kept marching on. And I love the story. Uh, so I'm sure the listeners will as well. So I said a bunch of stuff, but you tell us your origin story. Tell us how you got into the industry. Tell us a little about AMS and tell us about uh, anything else that you're doing uh, in the industry. Okay. Uh, many years ago, I um, had married somebody that trucking was just a, a, a big deal for him from the country he came from and felt that he wanted to be a trucker here in the US. Um, And there's no reason you can't do anything you want if you put your mind to it. So we went to school and got a license and we bought a truck and started to drive. And over the years, there was a lot of challenges. The company that he last worked for, um, you know, was going out of business and they asked for some help and we just felt it wasn't a good match. And after that, there was a bit of discrimination. And we took that platform of discrimination to build something new and different. And so the first thing we wanted to do was to make sure there really was discrimination and kind of practiced with him on his language, got a new haircut, 
you know, and um, when he went back to work the next week, people didn't recognize him and the attitudes were different. So when we started AMS, we wanted to be a platform where we would help support people to rise up, to do better, to be able to be on an equal playing field. And, uh, and that interests me. Uh, trucking is not my passion, but educating and helping people to do better is really a passion of mine. And I feel like I've had so many experiences that it's a responsibility of mine to share that with others. So maybe that they can have an easier time navigating uh, business and construction and Illinois and, and so forth and just, just growth. Um, and so we started out by doing road work and over the years we pivoted after a couple of recessions and a epidemic, you have to stay fresh and uh, always look at see what is coming up in the future and pivot towards that. And so now we do specialize in dump and flatbed um, work. We also are suppliers of aggregate and we have a new venture now. Um, we are, uh, we have a material fill site in East uh, Chicago, Indiana that I'm very excited about and hoping to uh, do good for the community, help save people money and um, and also um, and also um, reduce you know, well, yes, it's a good thing. It's recycle, reuse, and saving money and so forth. So it's a good endeavor, and I hope uh, to get the word out about it. Awesome. So it lights your uh, passion, your fire a little bit more than uh, generally a truck does. Is that right? Yeah, it does. Trucking is um, tedious and there's always surprises. And I think that this is a win for everybody. It's a win for the community and jobs. It's a win for the client um, and saving money. And it's a win for the owners um, to be able to, you know, remediate sites and, and build new things on it for the communities and to help generate work in areas that are impoverished. So it's very exciting. That's awesome. Um, so uh, we like we like to start off interviews with the question of people, process, technology, and we want you to rank them. So, you know, we believe at building scale, you need people, process, and technology to scale a business. Uh, that's the pillars of scale. So when you look at those three different pillars, which one is at the top and which one is in the middle, which one is at the bottom? Okay. People, process, and technology. Yeah. And technology. People, process, and technology. Uh, people first, gotta have a good team. Um, and then, um, process is very important to be repeatable and to be able to make sure you have checks and balances. And then, um, the last one would be technology, which is hugely important. Um, you know, it, they're all three way important. It's a trick question. <laughs> For sure. You're actually the first person to truly point that out. So I love that. Um, you know, me and Will, we, we frequently say, we're like, man, like, you know, we, we, we set ourselves up because most people don't pick technology first, but it's okay because we believe in people as well uh, and certainly process. So uh, that makes tons of sense. So, uh, you know, thinking about some of, uh, you know, people, right. And when we think about the people side, we think about core values. It's a big thing for us. So uh, when you think about your people at your business um, and, and growth over the years, what, what are those core values that kind of you know, set you apart from maybe some of your competition? 
Um, I think that what sets us apart a little bit is that we are a business resource and industry influencer. And we just think it's very important to be team players and to be a part of the bigger picture. Um, and so that is one of our very exciting core values. Um, yeah. All right. Do you want to so, hear about our <laughs> Oh, yeah. I want to hear it all. I want the full story here. Okay. So being in construction, safety is always number one. That's our first core value. Like I said, being business resource and industry influencer makes us different than mm -hmm. others. Um, uh, synergy, collaboration, and mindful is our other three core, core values. And that goes along with the people, like why is people number one? You know, if you're not in sync, you're not collaborating, you're not brainstorming on hoes to do better, what new technologies to bring in and that, then um, then you're not going to be growing and thriving. And so, yeah. No, that <laughs> so makes sense. Um, yeah. You And also, I in, in the intro, I mentioned all of the, the certs that you have. So the WBE, the WOSB, um, and the DBE. When you think about those, uh, does that, does that, you know, I guess what, what's the, what's the obviously business advantages that, that is given or, you know, business goodness that's given you, but also does, is that a sense of pride that you feel like, man, like, look at us kind of a thing, like, look what we've been able to accomplish. Uh, the certifications are very important to have an opportunity to be considered to do work in on projects that you normally wouldn't have an opportunity to work on. It's a segue, but you mm -hmm. still have to do the work to get the job. You still have to understand the scope to be able to bid properly. So um, the advantages are that it just gives you an opportunity, but it's still up to the business owner to do the work. Um, and is it a sense of pride? I. I'm a very humble person. What makes me happy is when we're successful and there's a lot of wins for everybody around. Um, yeah. So, you know, certification I think is, is a necessity okay. for, for minority women owned companies that are starting out, especially. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so, uh, obviously getting, getting the work, obviously being, have to do the work still, right? So like, it's a, it's a way in the door, but it's not a way to, to stay in, stay in the, the bit or stay in the project, I suppose. Right. And there's all, you know, you always see these emails that come after you get certified. It's like, I'm certified now. What? Well, now the work begins, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to start marketing. Now you got to build capacity. You got to be capable. You have to have the alliance, the the workforce, you know, and so it's just the beginning, but it's definitely a good hurdle to get over as a small business entering into that arena, any arena that does government work. Yeah. And how, it, and has that been the place that you found most success in the government side? Kind of like your top three, what's important. I think it's in the top, you know, <laughs> items of what's important if you're a small business and you qualify. Um, I think that you still have to do the hard work. You have to have a competitive bid. You have to understand the scopes of work. And so um, 
you know, all that is part of the learning process, but certification definitely helps you break down the, the barrier a little bit to get the opportunity. So it's huge when you're not known very well in, in, in the market, it really helps. Do you find that on the public side compared to the private side, there's one that looks at it, um, has more of a blind eye, uh, I suppose maybe is the easiest way to put that. As in you, you can start getting more work in one, one side than other. Uh, I guess when you started off, right? Like where, where did you find, oh yeah, like this is, we got to get our feet wet. We got to get going. We got to start building up our, our book of business and, and getting this going. What did that look like? Yeah. So trucking is a little bit different beast than others. Other people could get certified and there's a lot of avenues and I think opportunity out there, both on the public and private side. Trucking is very difficult, um, you know, to break those barriers. And um, I think that if you have certification with um, like DBE with the different road agencies like IDOT and Mm -hmm. CTA and so forth, that is definitely going to help you um, fast track to getting recognized and having an opportunity. Um, I don't do as much public work, but certifications like WB from WeBank or the minority um, associations definitely help. Um, One of the, I say, uh, most influential moves we made in that market was years ago when I was president of FWC, we had an initiative um, to hold utility companies accountable. They were always on the private side, but they had government money that they were working with. And after we got the bill signed, they did, I think, $3 billion worth of work with small business after three years. Um, So if you could get in on something like that, you know, I mean, I I don't think one is easier or or harder than the other. I think that it's um, the right time, the right place. You know, it's you hear that all the time, right time, right place, right capabilities. So um, as long as you are aligning yourself with people that that align with what your core values and what you believe in, then I believe you can have success in any of the arenas if you, you know, if you have those other things I talked about previously. So um, it, it doesn't help one over the other. You know, it's just it's just a matter of aligning with what you want to do and what you do best, like the capabilities, and then you should be able to be successful in any of those those areas. Got it. So um, let's talk a little bit about process, then, right? So let's talk about how, you know, how you built processes over time, what uh, what tricks and uh, secrets you have in regards to a process built, because it is important. People got to know what they're doing. You get great people in the right seats. Awesome. Now they need to know yeah. how it's done. Uh, so how, how have you done that? How have you been able to facilitate great process? A few things over the years. So one thing is I always try and get involved with opportunities in the industry for growth and education. There's PTAC centers that help you with marketing plans and business plans. And there are, um, you know, I, years ago, I won an award right at the beginning with WeBank and it was a technology award. And one of the prizes was to work with a company um, called the Cycle of Success Institute. And 
their process is looking at all of your challenges, what your procedures and processes are, and basically spent a year developing a procedure process for everything that we did in the business. And these are things that we update every time we update our technology, every time we have a new system in place, and um, it's repeatable and there's checks and balances built in. We talked about you know mission statements and core values and all the things that help you to guide those, you know, because your core values is how you should hire and fire. And that helps you um, develop your your um, like business layout. And mm -hmm. so the cycle of success kind of deals with all of that. And they really helped us build a great foundation. I was also part of, you know, E200 and Goldman Sachs and other programs that make you take a hard look at your business. And you, these are things that we look at when we're doing those hard looks and always trying to do optimize, which is one of our core values, become more efficient and effective. So when um, you think of, so it's awesome to keep doing all these different uh you know, leveling up, right? Upskilling yourself, getting better as you as you go and take a look at your business. It sounds a lot like working on the business, not in the business. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you talk about that perspective of saying like, I'm, you know, the day-to-day -day is one thing, but also like, how do I take a step back and really analyze the business and say like, where are areas that we could change or adjust or improve? Yeah. So I really believe in working on the business, not in the business, but I will say in the ups, ebbs and flows of business, there are times that you have to work in the business because you lose kind of your handle of what's really going on when you're always working on it. So I think that um, that it's uber important to always be looking at your procedures and processes and the people who you have on the bus and how you're doing things, your technology. Um, from a high level perspective, but, you know, undercover boss is like a huge <laughs> thing. And people remember that if you don't like get your hands dirty, sometimes you start to miss on what's happening. You know, people have a tendency to tweak what they're doing over time as a comfort level. And these types of things could get away from your procedures and then change them over time. So, um, Definitely majority of the time I think should be working on the business, but there is a need to have time that you are in the business too. And just having oversight and, you know, making sure that, that, um, that you don't lose sight of the daily operations because things change. And then if people change, then you don't have a handle on things. And I don't think that's beneficial for the business. So, yeah. So, you that's know, Speaking of daily operations, you had said something in our pre-interview process that was super kind of interesting. Uh, can you tell uh, can you tell the people why do you provide or why do you provide a mirror in front of the phones for your staff? <laughs> uh, so my background is psychology, <laughs> and we have energy just this comes off of us whether we like it or not and good energy gets emitted and people can feel that and bad energy can be emitted and people feel that if you're frowning or your arms are crossed people kind of feel a negativity or not a positivity but 
if you put a mirror at your desk and you pick up the phone and you see yourself and you're smiling, like people feel that they feel that you're smiling and they're more receptive to want to have a conversation with you. If you pick up a phone and you're having a bad day and you're not smiling, you're frowning, like people are going to feel that too. And it's, you're just not going to have as much success. So it's, it's very important to take a tally on where we are, you know, today. One of the things I did when we had a large office also that I didn't mention earlier is we had a feelings chart and we had two of them. One that was actually feelings we all understand, happy, sad, tired, but then we had one that was a Sesame Street and it wasn't like verbiage of your feelings. It was like, you know, like when that one would run up and come back and you ever have a day like that, you can't subscribe that day. So we would have these two feeling charts and everyone had their own magnetic Lego that they've made that represented them. And when they came in the morning, they would put on how they were feeling so we could all be mindful and work with them better. And it was kind of interesting that by sharing those feelings, it made it more positive for them the rest of the day, because not only did they acknowledge they're not having, you know, maybe the best day, but then their coworkers helped them to change it to be more positive because they were aware of their feelings. And I think that that's um, contagious almost, you know, if somebody is negative, it's contagious. If somebody's positive, it's exponential contagious. So I think it's really important that we take check of how we're feeling and how that affects the people around us. Mindfulness, one of our core values. <laughs> that is super interesting in kind of creating that awareness uh, around, you know, it, it, sort of the emotional energies and how, you know, being able to, I guess, really have enough trust where you can share that it's not really a weakness, it's actually a strength and an, it allowed you to make all your people better because of that, which is, in you know, in comparison to sort of traditional, we'll call it corporate world where sharing that stuff can be looked at or frowned upon negatively, you're using that as a, as a huge positive in being able to get your people aware and be able to work uh, work better collaborate better etc just because of the mindfulness um yeah. that is uh that's a level of psychology that i don't think i've heard in too many places so kudos to you ah uh, thank you thank you it makes work more fun <laughs> for sure uh what now that we've gone down this path what are do you have other uh secret sneaky psychology uh things that you've done obviously the mirror situation and then the the feelings chart those are both awesome is are there other things are you holding out on us julie uh <laughs> no those are probably my two favorite um i can't think of something in particular i've done unless we talked about it during our pre-interview but um i just this business has always been very challenging to me. So I came from a place of um, healthcare education where people are compassionate and empathetic. It's not as cutthroat. And for me personally, it was a huge pivot and almost out of necessity. So I don't know if we want to go there, but I started the business with, um, my ex-husband, unfortunately, he was deported, and it happened right at 
the time that recession was beginning. And so I had to make a huge decision. Like, am I going to stay in this business and know that I have the control of owning my own business and creating my destiny? Or am I going to try and get a job somewhere else during a recession that's going to be able to give us, you know, pay the bills and afford the lifestyle? And even though I was offered my dream job, I just couldn't take it. You know, it, I had to give up my house or my kids and neither one, nobody wanted that during a recession. So I really had to give my all to this company and not having the right mindset was not a great way to start it. So I had told you a story about, I had to evaluate what was my happy place, what was mm -hmm. important to me in life. And so the story goes like this. I put a piece of paper on the mirror in my bathroom. And the reason I did that is because every day you have to get up and look at yourself. Like that's something we all do is go to the bathroom in the morning. And every day I'd see this piece of paper. And when I first populate it, it's, it was so bland, but I think that whenever we think of what's important in our life, most people go to the same things to be happy, to be healthy, to have a roof over our head, clothes on our body, food on our stomach, right? Very generic. It's something that a lot of us take for granted. But if you think about it, is that really what makes you happy? Is that what inspires you? Is that what makes you want to wake up the next morning and, and get going and, you know, greet the world? And so um, it took me about six months. And I realized that I love to share what I have learned, my experiences, like, I love to take those and, and share them with people so they don't have to make the same mistakes or they can hear a different perspective and maybe use that to be more successful. Or, you know, I just, I, this industry was so tough. I felt like I really wanted to do something to make a difference before I left. It wasn't just about me, but it was about the whole community of small business and women. And I just, I don't know. So. So my list started to change. It started to change from basic necessities to survive, which was the mode I was in is survival mode to really what is happiness. And, and so now my core values of being a business resource industry influencer isn't for ego. It's because I really mean it. Like I love to learn Nobody could take an education away from you. Nobody could take your experiences away from you, but you could share those. And maybe you'll say that one thing that somebody needed to make a difference in their life. And so this was a profound experience because initially I'd come home every day and it's like, oh my God, another day, you know? But after I went through this experience, it's like, yeah, it's another day, you know, like, let's do this. And so, and so that's kind of my story of like, why did I stay in this business 23 years when it wasn't my passion? And it's because I felt like I was on this journey, not to become a multimillionaire, but because of my core values and how important it is for me to feel fulfilled is to help others and to share that with others. And so, yeah, so that's kind of my, my story of, <laughs> of how we run this business and, 
and the foundation of why, and, and it goes back to that foundation of being discriminated against and how can we change that? So it hasn't deviated much, but it grew exponentially on, on the purpose. Hey everybody, Justin here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. As you know, Will and I are business nerds and love talking to leaders who've scaled their businesses using people, process, and technology. If that's something that gets you all jazzed up too, then do me a favor and hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to hit the little bell so you get notified every time we drop a sweet new episode. And if you know somebody who'd be an awesome guest on the show, send them our way. Just go to buildingscale.net slash guest. Now, back to the episode. We love that, all of that, because uh, very similar to the, the Building Scale podcast. It's like, how can... How can we help? How can we say the right thing that just that makes the difference, right? And obviously, interviewing amazing people like you, Julie, uh, that have that passion, that's it. Like that, like, like, I feel like if we all can just share, make somebody else better, like, then we all win. Like we, you know, I bit, I butcher this quote every time. I really got to get it right. But all, all ships are are better with a higher tide or higher tide, better ships. I don't know what what it is. I butcher it every time, but I think it's so true. Uh, and it's it's a it's awesome that that your passion is is fulfilled through that. So that's really cool. I think it's rising tides uh, raise all ships. I think is, is that the- sounded way better than what I said. Um, so uh, I really got to write that down and put it on a postie up here or something. Um, yeah. Um, that's that's amazing. So you mentioned pivots, uh, changing, evolving, like things like that. Um, so you a name change. You did. You went. To, the company had a name change. So that occurred. Tell tell us about that, and then tell us about how uh, you know you've changed this over time in the twenty three years. Yeah. All right. At the beginning, um, our company was AMS Earth Movers. Um, <laughs> so my ex husband's English wasn't great, and he was the one that chose the name and for years we got calls for earth moving which really wasn't our expertise um but we had that name for about 10 years and i started to think you know really people call us for information for resources people call us when they have challenges and that's really my expertise and the expertise of our business is to figure out solutions and and so forth. So I just, I just felt it was time to change the name. Um, but it also coordinated with what types of products and services we could offer. And so initially he had done trucking on road work, like paving and taking dirt out and bringing in some stone. And uh, in about 2000, eight or nine, right after the recession, I was reading a lot about different legislations and it dawned on me how important it is to look at what's going on in the economy and what's going on in government because it's so uh, connected to the boldness of the industry. You know, if we are having a volatile economic or political situation, it's gonna affect how much work we're doing. And so I had read about how there was a case that was questioning uh, 
trucking companies that would deliver product and they would charge both for the transport and the product, but they were not certified to supply product to the job as a minority or woman-owned contractor. And so the dynamic changed. All these companies who were hiring these trucking companies for an all-in couldn't do that anymore. So my first challenge was, how can we be different? What can we do that's different that could solve this problem? And I began talking to many of the aggregate companies, the big guys, um, the top five, to see if there was something that we can partner on to change that. And so on 2012, I had finally opened, I partnered with a company and formerly a mentorship and opened up a site in Lake Villa and sold aggregate for quite a long time. I was one of the first women in Illinois and probably a handful across the U.S. that did that. Over the years, you know, people figured out how to get it done and they did it as well. But we had pivoted initially that way. And then once I did that and we started to have more equipment and have to have our own low boys and that, we... Um, started to look for more work in areas like flatbed and low boy so that our drivers could work all year long because a lot of the work was seasonal in Chicago due to weather. So that made a lot of sense to try and pivot to create work 12 months a year instead of nine to 10 months out of the year. And from that, <laughs> um, which we did for a long time, um, we have this new venture and um, so my pathway to our latest venture is that I felt like I really am not loving, you know, the trucking itself. And I started to make alliances with other small companies that are women owned and veteran and minority and to try and work with them to partner um, so that they can start learning how I work with my clients. And as I'm pivoting and maybe moving into other areas, they could take over um, some of that work. And so um, I was for a short time a mentor for SCORE and I had to retire because of a, a financial um, application we had. There was a conflict of interest, but I will be doing it again soon. So I am not formally mentoring through SCORE any longer, but I'm doing these informal mentorships where I work with four to five companies in hopes that you know we can eventually pass on some of the trucking work and um, and I could focus on some new ventures. And, and right now I have a venture with a uh, company, uh, IDA and materials management group, um, remediating um, sites that um, are in areas that are impoverished. And there's just so many benefits to that. You know, it creates work lower cost, um, great things. And so I'm really pushing this. I'm working on getting the word out and hoping that we could, you know, grow it. Um, there's a potential of two more sites in Indiana and two in Illinois. And uh, that will help create more trucking that will help all these other companies as well. Um, and so there's just so many wins to that project in itself. But the importance of pivoting to get back to your question is that we get old and stale in what we do. I think we talked about, was it Canon camera or yeah. I, I can't remember Kodak. which uh, or Kodak. Kodak camera. 
and they were so focused on what they did that they didn't grow with um, technology. And so other companies just passed them and they you know, were in the dust. And so I think that pivoting and looking at what the market, the needs of your client, talk with your clients, see what they you know, need so that they can grow as well and, and meet goals and, and, and maybe find new areas that they can use minorities in through conversations. And then that helps everybody. And so pivoting is important. Growth is important. Education is important. Alliances are important. You know, people are important. <laughs> All those aspects are important. You just have to learn how to juggle them, I think. What are, so you talked a little bit about mentoring and coaching. Um, mm -hmm. What is, what are some of the biggest headlines or things that you see people and uh, companies need to be mentored and coached uh, about or coached more? I think I have two big ones. The first one is certification. People always think that it's so difficult and cumbersome. It is the first time when you're not sure of the process and gathering your paperwork. But once you've gone through it and you have saved all of your documents to use over and over, um, it's not so difficult. So I think that that uh, prevents a lot of companies from getting certified is the fear of the work. And then if they hire someone, the cost could be extremely high. Um, and also in addition to that, if you're applying for certification, like how many should you apply for and should you do them at the same time? So there's a lot of questions that prevent people from doing that. Um, the other um, the other thing that comes up a lot is pricing. Um, so small businesses are afraid to ask for a fair price and large corporations that are hiring you um, wanna keep trucking to a minimum because if there's ever an issue, trucking is really where they get their, you know, they have their spread that they can capitalize on if there's a shortfall somewhere else. And so it's tough. And then you want the job so bad that you, you know, cut corners. And the problem with that is that you cut your corner and then you can't get a workforce when you get the job. So you win the job because you're low bid, but you're not pricing it right. And then you can't get the people, the support to get the job done and to, to perform successfully. So I think that's a big topic of conversation is pricing and the fear of losing the job because your price is too high. Well, then you get the flip side. You're you're spending more. You win the you win the job, and then you're spending more than what the job is worth, uh, because of uh, because of either surprises or things that because of let's say inexperience mm -hmm. uh, in all of that that um, the low bid essentially kind of encourages kind of bad behavior that encourages. But mm -hmm. on the flip side, you know, it's like would you would you pay a dollar? to get 90 cents back, right? And that's essentially what's happening versus would mm -hmm. you pay 90 cents to get a dollar back, right? All day long, right? That's mm -hmm. way better because at least you're making money. So uh, I love that you're talking about pricing this way and especially, you know, the kind of in the low bid world, um, not pricing appropriately means there's a lot of either bankruptcy or just problems where the company could not survive if it's not, if it's not done correctly. Um, so 
when you talk about certifications, you're talking about the MBE, uh, like that mm -hmm. type of DBE, MBE type of certifications. Are, they, are there any other type of certifications that you mentor or coach on? Um, that's really my wheelhouse. I understand the certification process and compliance pretty well. Um, on all the levels, um, except for SBA 8A. I'm not an expert on that. Um, uh, no, there's not many other certifications that, I, uh, that I'll that i coach on. Okay, so. that's fair. Um, you talked also, you've gone through multiple recessions uh, and downturns and survived. Can you talk a little bit about your journey around sort of the we'll call it the discovery of like sort of economics, the political changes and the effects on your business. And were there any aha moments? Um, so anytime there's a change in, in government management, so elections, uh, that always prompts a change in people in those different offices, which then creates a slowdown in responses with permits, with all kinds of things. Um, and so jobs may be relet, pushed off, delayed. It's a huge issue, um, but it happens every time there's elections. Um, economy, if you're talking about recessions, if you're, you know, um, uh, if there's, Anything with the economy also will affect construction first. And so construction in the housing market is a telltale of what's going on in the economy. And so it's very important to keep a pulse of the economy and politics because both of them will drive the business, especially construction. And I could go deep into it, but I, I, I think that it's um pretty kind of, we all feel it now. So there was, I remember a year or two back, there was that billion dollar transportation bill. But because of all the politics that are going on and, and the un, the discomfort in, uh, in the economy, are we gonna have a recession? Are we not? Is the bill gonna be passed? Is it not? I think it's really affected construction right now. And so there's a lot of work, there's a lot of bidding. Bids are let, but but trucks aren't out. And so you wonder, like, why aren't the trucks out? And it's always a result of this volatility. And then when the trucks aren't out, but there's a lot of money behind it or work, then the trucking rates go down. So then we get back to that issue we just talked about, about pricing. So they're going to push, they're going to squeeze you to give the lowest pricing when there's that issue. But then when the gates let loose, a lot of people can't perform. So it's a catch-22, but both of them affect business directly. So uh, what about, so timing of, bill, of bills, and what about, you, you talked about in the pre-interview, um, uh, LUD sites. Can you talk a little bit about that, what that is? Um, and kind of the, what's the significance? 
say that again, please. Uh, the partner with Lud Sites. Uh, there was a there was something that you had discussed uh, with us in the pre-interview about partnering with Lud Sites. Oh yes. Okay, so an LUD site is an area that has been quite contaminated, and the government may create a super fund um, and and you know encourage people to buy it to remediate and build up. Um, the beauty about the site, there's there's a lot of great things. So the first thing is that we could take product that would be equivalent to like a subtitle D. And because of that, there's a great cost savings as opposed to going to a landfill. As well, we can take product that has high levels of like lead and arsenic that may be higher than a landfill can be. So it was helpful also for landfills to know that there's a second alternative if they can't help a client. In addition to that, when a client brings dirt to our site, um, they are then indemnified. They no longer have responsibility. Once that passes our scale and is dumped, there's no more responsibility, which is very different than bringing that to other sites. Um, so there's cost effectiveness. We can work with products that other vendors can't. Um, but again, it's in improvised sites. So um, it creates work in the area. It helps develop the areas. Um, and then there's also opportunities like in Illinois for owners, which is very unusual, to um, create a trust fund to give money to help for training for other people working on the site, even though they're not employed directly by the owners. So that's about four or five, you know, great opportunities that come along with working with an LUD site. Now, the few drawbacks is that and positive. So the positive is that it works through the EPA and the local EPA. So we're also working through IEMA in India, Indiana. And so anything that we do is 100% on board and has EPA oversight, which is great. And it should give comfort to any client that wants to bring product in. The only drawback is that we can't take a project today and start delivering tomorrow. So we need a good, you know, five to 10 business days to process all the paperwork to make sure that things are perfect. So our site in East Chicago, Indiana um, has been running for a while, but there was still, you know, processes that we had to go through and get formal documentation so that we can really give all these benefits to our clients. And so now we're up and running and we're really excited, but it's a fantastic opportunity for everybody involved um, to use these LUD sites. And just for those that don't know what LUD sites are, what does that actually stand for? Land use development. Okay. Um. I actually, uh, and I don't know if this goes in, I just, the only thing I know about like land, this is, this is it. I'm, I'm just going to drop it out here. When I was in Chicago last month, uh, my dad, had, we were driving by the O'Hare and he's a giant mound of dirt. It was, I was like, when, when did this mountain get here? I don't remember this uh, mountain existing at O'Hare. And he's like, oh yeah, that's dirt that can't be uh, delivered anywhere because it has jet fuel, like the jet fuel from, you know, uh, O'Hare. And that it was just like keeping piling up. Is this a 
is an LUD a place that can handle jet fuel dirt? Is that a thing? Or is that, I'm completely thinking of this wrong. Possibly. So we okay. can take construction debris and like dirt from roadways have fumes from gasoline. Yep. Um, there may be a possibility. It would definitely have to do sampling of the dirt and make sure that yeah. it fits within our you know, source plan. And so with each LUD site, depending on what the residual that was left there chemical wise from whatever the factory or site that was there has to be evaluated. And then a source plan is developed. And as long as that product fits into our model to be able to remediate the site. So potentially the answer would be yes. All right. But it would be quite specific. Well, I think we got something here. We got a, a potential lead for you because O'Hare's got a lot of dirt. I'm going to tell you that right now. I yeah. drove past and I was, I was again, I thought it was a mountain. I'm like, there's not a mountain next to O'Hare. What's going on here? And <laughs> I did a, I did a, a, and I looked into it a little bit further. They've been moving that mountain of dirt and it's been getting bigger over the past like 30 years or something. So every time, yeah. so they use it uh, rather than trying to put in new dirt whenever they're doing de uh, land development, they'll use, they'll either add or remove from this humongous pile of dirt um, uh, and just shuffle it around. So it's been shuffled around like dozens of times around like O'Hare Airport property. And we're talking about uh, like tons, like hundreds of tons of dirt uh, just being shuffled around. It's like- A thousand is, tons of dirt. Or thousands <laughs> of tons. Yeah, thousands of tons of dirt. Uh, hundreds of thousands of tons of yeah. dirt. Yeah, so it is, it was just amazing to me that 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 is more economical than mm -hmm. than trying to have it hauled away that actually keeping it on property is more economical uh than hauling it away yeah I, so that law, baffles me law changed, yeah a law changed a few years ago that maybe more than that i i can't tell you exactly when but there was a push for recycle reuse and it's also a cost saving. So to keep the product at the airport, they don't have to pay the hauling to take it off. And then when they need product, they already have it on site. And because it's going back into the same place that it came out of, and I'm not sure exactly the scope of work or the situation, but you're allowed to use product that's taken out of a site to put back into a site. You can't take it out of a site and then put it at a different site. And so, unless it, you're paying to dump it and there's the manifest and the chain of command that goes to it. So you're correct, it's more efficient, but who knows, there may be a time that's gonna come that they need that space for runways or something mm -hmm. else. And can you imagine how many acres of land? And I don't think it's just a mountain. I think it's a mountain range <laughs> of dirt <laughs> that they're growing at the airports. But yeah, that's a great idea. and. Uh, I'll definitely take it back to my team um, to see if uh, if the composition of jet fuel is acceptable or not. Well, this would be the greatest thing the building scale ever did. Just get boom right here, getting leads for people. <laughs> That's how we do it. Um, awesome, 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 awesome. Business uh, resource. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got the head start too, because the episode won't be released for a little bit. So look at that, um, full okay. full head start. <laughs> So, um go ahead justin oh, so uh you were talking about bills before and um you had actually with the fwc um you had a huge win 
right, where a bill was passed and essentially became a $3 billion win on utilities. Um, can you help sort of help the people understand where, you know, changes around bills, like what the effect is, right? Because a lot of the companies that we talk to are smaller, they're, they're private companies, they don't actually understand how, what happens because of a bill is passed. Like they, they see the effect of it maybe after the fact, right. um, but you know, you have kind of a perspective uh, around, let's say, you know, we talked a little bit about unions, uh, what they are, and then public projects, and essentially what happened, what did the bill actually do, right? Uh, and something about reporting. Can you talk, can you explain that and talk a little bit about that? So in a, we live in a democratic society, people are allowed to voice their opinion and try to make change that would benefit them. So when you feel that you want to make a change in the government, the first thing to do is to get somebody who could write a bill and you get support for the bill and then you present the bill and then it gets voted on. And if it's passed, then it goes to the other side of government and they vote on it. And if it gets passed, then it becomes a law. Most people find out about bills when it's a law and then they have a certain grace period until the law goes into effect for them to pivot their business or life or whatever it is to be within the law. The importance of understanding these bills before they become law is that you actually have the power to make change. And you don't realize it until you collaborate with a team because numbers mean a lot. You have to have a lot of support to make a change. It's not always one person but one person initiating a lot of people. And so you come together and a bill gets put in and you don't agree with it. So what do you do? You get support to prevent the bill from being passed or modified to be acceptable. And so a lot of the you know bigger entities like a union or maybe an association, will find that their membership is not benefiting from the way that things are. And so they'll create a bill to make change to benefit them in the long run. And so if you don't pay attention, then you have to comply if the law is passed and it could be very cumbersome. So, not not anything bad against the union, but an example is the union may feel that there are areas that have been exempt from being union because of the dynamic of that service. And the union may say, you know what, that's not right. I think that they need to be union and I wanna make this change. And so I am going to say that the law should read this, 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 and this, so that this change will be made. But then you look at it, someone like me, who's a small business and say, wow, if they make that change, I have to change the way I'm doing business. And I have to have more capital to be able to afford to do that. I'm a small business. I don't have unlimited cash reserves. 
I don't know if this is going to work for me. And then that small business goes to another organization of like-minded people. And they say, Hey, if you heard about this bill that's being put in for vote and they hear about, it and they're like, Oh my God, that's going to change the whole dynamic of my business too. We better find somebody who could go and sit and rally the politicians to deny this or to go back and say, let's make a compromise and let's modify it. I never realized how important that was until we were in a going into a recession. And I had told you about the material and how I pivoted to be a supplier because of one of these bills. And that bill had taken away or could potentially have taken away a lot of work from people if they weren't certified as a supplier. And so that is how I used a bill to pivot my business and create growth. And so there's a couple aspects. One is you have to watch what's going through so that you can protect the future of your business. And the other thing is you need to know what's going on so you could be educated and maybe even capitalize on knowing what's going to be coming up in the future. That's so, similar to uh, CMMC, Will. It is. Uh, we talked a little bit about CMMC, but uh, the construction industry, for anyone that's working with, uh, let's say, federal government, uh, especially DOD, but it, CMMC essentially is going to become sort of the de facto standard for uh, it stands for cybersecurity uh, maturity model certification. Essentially, it's going to become the de facto standard for uh, cybersecurity. While at first it's because of manufacturing, even the construction side is going to be looked looked at, and anyone that's doing any type of business within the federal government is going to need one of these certifications. And it's not, and unlike previously where it was self certified, this is going to need third party certification to be able to do business. So, uh, you know, and so these laws uh, that are kind of coming down, they're catching people, they're catching, like you said, they're catching people by surprise, and then either they're having a pivot or completely get out because mm -hmm. their business is going to tank, uh, you know, because of how big these changes are. So, you know, uh, I think this is super important for people to hear is that these... <laughs> This is happening. These are real things that are happening and it can completely change. It doesn't matter how big you are. You can be a 10, $20 million business and all of a sudden that one law takes you from being very profitable to being very unprofitable uh, and disappearing if, if you can't pivot. So I've always, I've always been like apolitical. I really didn't like politics. Um, and this is not like a Democrat or Republican thing. This is just how our system works and you just need to protect yourself and you have to have knowledge. You need to make sure that you're in the know. Yeah, it's super important to be knowledgeable and then do something about it. Um, mm -hmm. Taking action is important for sure. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so my recommendation for small businesses is get involved with organizations like FWC or Hazia or ASA so that you have people that are like-minded around you because we have strength in numbers, right? Strength in numbers. No, totally. Uh, that's good advice. Uh, so we want to ask you our final 
final question, Julie, uh, which we asked everybody, uh, which we're excited to hear. If you could go back 20 years, what would you tell yourself? What advice would you give yourself uh, for 20 years ago? <laughs> I always like to be positive, but I can't say that the path I took would be the path I would take again. Mm. So um, <laughs> I think that um, I think one thing that I've learned that I would want to take back with me as a young person is that trust is earned. But as a people, we give trust first. And then we learn whether they could be trusted or not. And I think that my experience in construction is I always came in believing people are good and trustworthy and it's a cutthroat business and you just can't do that. You, you Trust has to be earned. And so I would say that step back, take a couple breaths before you make decisions and really, um, you know, take time in giving people your trust and just always, yeah. And that would be, I think, something that would have probably prevented um, prevented a lot of anguish maybe in my life is just, you know, remembering that trust is earned. That's a good one. That's not one we've heard before either. So uh, kudos to you. <laughs> um, we're going to drop all of your social links and all that fun stuff into the show notes. But if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh, they can either email us at contact at ams-es.net or call our office at 847-838-9501. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And do you have any last uh, thoughts for, for the people before we uh, say goodbye? I think that your show is great. I think you're doing a fantastic thing. I encourage people to take the time to keep growing and learning and, you know, give back. That's all. Just well, let's awesome. make the be better. Well, thank you. Let's make the world a better place for all of us. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. And thank you for the kind words. Um, all right, all listeners, right. that's all for us today. We had a blast, Julia. Hopefully you did as well. Uh, and until next time, adios. 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 Thanks for listening to Building Scale to help us reach even more people. Please share this episode with a friend, a colleague, or on social media. Remember, the three pillars of scaling a business are people, process, and technology. And our mission is to help the AEC industry protect itself by making technology easy. So if you think your company's technology pillar could use some improvement, book a call with us to see how we can help maximize your IT and cybersecurity strategy. Just go to buildingscale.net slash help. And until next time, keep, keep building, building scale. scale. <laughs>